Welcome to the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Dean Manchie. He's got the dungeon shirt on today. Talk yeah, about, hey. tell, us, tell us about the dungeon shirt. Hey, Chris Ferry. Chris yes. Ferry, my man, Chris Ferry, was a huge um, podcast listener, sent me this dungeon uh, shirt. I love the back of it. It says, uh, leave no doubt. It reminds me of the legend and Kimberly John Malin. Oh, Nice. Good stuff. He's no longer with us, but obviously he is. He had a, such a instrumental impact on athletics in the Kimberly Area School District. Yeah, Coach Malin was a special guy. He was awesome. Yeah, we, we got a little Q and A here, but before we get into that, obviously uh, coming up is the Fourth of July, so I want to wish everybody a safe holiday coming up, and make sure that you're spending time with your family, and also remember that um, you know we live in a special country here where. Should never take anything for granted as far as our freedoms and all the other things that go along with it. Freedom isn't free. And there's a lot of people that have uh, served our country and done a lot of great things to allow that for, for a lot of us. And so make sure on that 4th of July, you, um, you know, sit back and, and be grateful for what you have. Uh, hopefully you're with some family, hopefully with you with some friends, hopefully we've got nice weather and uh, you're enjoying yourself, get some brats on the grill some burgers, some chicken, whatever, whatever, however you do it. Just make sure you have a good time and and take a little time for yourself. Dog, we got a Q&A today. Love it. Q&A. We got some great questions here. We're going to fire off one right out of the get-go. And this is kind of this is kind of one of those questions that um, we get a lot. And it's, when should my kids start lifting weights? Oh. My answer is when they're ready. Yes. <laughs> Question number two. Um, no, I'm just, <laughs> but it, I mean, from our perspective at Sports Advantage in the private sector, every kid is different and every kid can be turned, you know, get excited about training and lifting weights using, you know, uh, strength equipments, you know, and they can get turned off really quick. You know, if they're, if they're not mentally ready to do it, I think so many times we, we, we worry about kids physically being ready that we forget that there's a mental aspect to training that goes with it. So parents out there, don't force your son or daughter into a scenario where you feel like they need to keep up with the Joneses. At the end of the day, most kids will have an interest in, you know, whether it's speed training, speed and agility, like we do, or strength training. And that's the optimal time. I, you know, we had a parent uh, just the other day that I talked to on the phone and she was really, her son was 11, which is we start kids strength training at 11. Um, or 10 if they're ready, you know, with basic exercises. And she was really concerned with, you know, her son being able to do strength training, but he really enjoyed our elite speed the day he came to try it out. And my comment to her was let him, let him do what he enjoys doing for right now. Let him get comfortable with our gym setting. He was coming from another gym um, and let him get comfortable with the setting he's in or she's in. Because a lot of times it could be a high school weight room. It could be a, a private facility. Once there's a comfort level, you'll start to see kids kind of peek over into the weight room area. You know, if they're just doing movement and they'll start to wonder and then they'll start to see their friends over there a little bit. And then they'll start to get a little bit of an itch. And that's really when you want them to start, um, you know, from a mental perspective, obviously. Dog, what about you, like from a physical perspective? Well, Brian, you know, I think that were all great points because every kid is different. And what I always say, even in a Fox Valley Throws Club, when parents, you know, message me and they contact me is, you know, try an individual session. 
you know, give it a shot. If, if you don't know, and, and really, you really don't know until they actually, you know, go through the workout or, you know, have that experience, do an individual session, see if it works for you. And then, you know, give it some time. I think too many times, you know, we want these unbelievable experience for our sons or daughters day one. And I think, you know, you have to try it. You have to have an open mind. And then you have to give something a try. And you have to just can't be like, oh, one little thing happens and I'm, you know, I'm done for right. this or that. But just like you said, you know, mentally, are they ready to handle that? And, you know, if they are and they are willing to be coachable, I think the, those things that they're going to get out of the session, whether it's sports advantage, whether it's Fox Valley throws, whether it's lifting at your middle school or high school can be unbelievable. But make sure it's in a place where there is going to be accountability on a place that has great culture. Because, for example, like in my Fox Valley Throws Club, we will not tolerate any negativity as far as anybody judging anyone else's ability level, regardless of their age, their experience, or whatever. So we pride ourselves in having an incredible culture of the older kids will take pride in helping the younger kids out. And I know you have that same situation in your gym. You even have it to the extreme of you'll have some NFL athletes in there and, and, and they're helping out as well. So make sure parents, whatever you decide to put your son or daughter in, do your research, understand that it's going to be a great positive experience for your kid. And even if it is, sometimes they just won't be ready for it. They won't be ready for it. And I think you got to understand that and then, hey, you maybe you try it six months down the line or maybe the next year or whatever, and then you go ahead and give it a shot. But physically, I think the younger, the younger a kid starts to be able to understand how their body moves, Brian, the better they will be in their sport. Correct. And as far as sports skills go, I think the younger you learn the sports skill, because I think younger kids are more like sponges. They, they, they're so coachable, they adapt, they understand, they listen. I think the better the athlete will be. And I can say this from a throw standpoint, when you look at shot put and discus and track and field, the sport is most kids don't get in the track and field until they get into high school. And many times, maybe they were a baseball player before that. And then baseball, they decide, hey, maybe they got burnt out. Maybe they just lost interest whatever the reason is, and then they shift over to a sport like track. And then now look at all those good repetitions you can get. I mean, a lot of my best throwers that are at the track at the Fox Valley Throws Club started out in middle school and they've got those, the foundation of getting their body in the correct positions. And therefore they do have a head start on the people that don't start till high school. So getting them early, Getting great movement patterns, understanding safety is always number one, understanding the movements in your sports skill, I think, put the athlete in a huge competitive advantage, Brian. Well, and I think, you know, to our coaches, that's where you need the best coaches. I was on the West Side Barbell podcast a couple months ago, and and Tom said, you know, where where do you think it's the most important to, to have your best coaches? And it's no doubt the youth level. Because that's where you're teaching the basic movements. And I see it a lot. You know, we saw it at UW. I, you know, I see it in different private facilities. One thing that we really pride ourselves on 
and not doing is a lot of times you'll, you'll see coaches that are really comfortable with the best athletes that are in the gym. And there's going to be times in our gyms where you're going to have, you know, guys that are all state football players with 11, 11 year olds. And at the end of the day, the majority of the time, those kids that are, have been with you for a while, they can handle, you know, a lot of the stuff that, that is on the, in the workout without you being on top of them. Those young kids need constant encouragement. They need constant coaching, things like that. And the biggest failure I see with coaches is that they want to be around the best guys versus the guys that need the most work. And for those of you that own private facilities, um, you know, making sure that 11 year old can do things right from a financial standpoint is going to benefit you a lot because at the end of the day, you want to make sure that they have a great experience that they're taught correctly because they will continue to come back. And that will, again, start to breed a culture in your gym where that's how we do things here. And with young kids, um, you know, and it can go the opposite way. You know, if you turn a family off or if you turn a kid off, uh, it could be a long time before you ever see them again. So make sure you're teaching them right. And parents, make sure you're not forcing your kids uh, to do it before they're ready. Question two. Oh, go ahead, Doc. Right, yeah, fire fire to start lifting weights and and i see this happen a lot is is young kids they have to understand that doing the exercise correctly and understanding good movement patterns is way more important than loading weight on the bar and i think that is so so important because i see too many kids they're too worried about trying to put a lot of weight on early without that strong, firm foundation of being able to do the exercise correctly. And I think that's so important. And you no know, kids go down the YMCA and they're trying to max out and, and they're not on a program. They're not on specific progression. So that is probably my biggest pet peeve is I look at a lot of, you know, and this is social media, it's good and bad. We know that, Brian. But I see a lot of schools, I see a lot of, you know, businesses posting bad videos with bad technique, with kids doing stuff that is way too complex, and at least my opinion, to be able to do at that specific age. And it's mostly that all they're concerned about is trying to get a specific weight up called task completion. They'll do anything to get that weight up. Then that could obviously be hurting the individual more than it's helping them as far as increasing their chance of injury if they're not doing the exercise correctly, as we both know. And I think too, Dean, that goes the opposite way too, right? Once the kids can do it right, you got to challenge them. Yep. You, you know what I mean? Like don't hold them back just because of their age. You know, you, you could still challenge younger kids if they're technically sound. And in our gyms, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of our middle school kids are technically better than a lot of the high school kids that come in, yes. you know, because they've been doing it. They've been taught right. And, and so you got to build a firm foundation when you do it. Kind of leads into our second question here, do you know, what are some of the cues you use when teaching the squat? Well, Dean, why don't you, why don't you hit it from a free squat perspective, and I'll hit it from the box squat, since we, we do a lot of box squatting. Why don't we that's, do that? So we, you guys get four questions. That's Dean, good. Free squat, I'll hit the box squat. Fire, dog, fire. Well, Brian, first thing is when we talk about the free squat, I really like to envision a volcano crack in between the person's legs and we always say we want to spread the floor so there's a volcano crack and we'll do this in our flooring 
in our in our um, weight room, and that they will actually have a seam line of you know the the tiles that go in there, you know the the rubber tiles, and Jeez. we'll use that as a visual for them. And then what we tell the athletes to do is we want to open up that volcano crack as much as possible. So our right foot is pushing the floor, the whole floor to the right. Our left foot is pushing the whole floor to the left. And we tell the kids we want to open up the hips. So we're opening up our hips to push our knees out. And once we get that knee that's lined over the second toe, then we want to drop. And so we can get those, you know, the, the glutes, you know, to the heels of the feet, because obviously we want to make sure we're getting parallel. And a lot of the kids, when they're middle school, high school, they don't have the ankle mobility, the core strength, the hip mobility to be able to do it. So we actually teach our kids the 11 o'clock, one o'clock foot position. So meaning 12 o'clock is your feet pointed straight. In 11 and 1, if you can see in the camera, I know those people that will listen on or watch us on Spotify and listen to us can actually see the video. But we'll point those toes at 11 and 1 o'clock. And then we want three points of contact on the bottom of their foot. And then we want that to be equal. And if we put it, one of those points of emphasis will be under the big toe, one will be under the little toe, and one will be right in the middle of the heel. And if you instantly do that, and we'll have the kids try to push that floor away, open up that volcano crack, and push those knees out, they'll instantly fire their glutes. Them glutes, they'll harden up right away. They can feel it. And we'll just have the kids go down about two, three inches, Brian, and they will, and their glutes are going to start being on fire, and they'll actually start to shake because we know the glutes is the engine, and the glutes are the biggest muscle in the human body. Right. So we got to get those glutes to work correctly. What we see a lot of times with the young kids is all the young kids are quad dominant. So their posterior chain is very weak, which means posterior chain for our listeners out there is the backside of the body. So we're talking the glutes, the hamstrings, the lower back. Obviously, we can hit that upper body with the triceps and all of that. But we really can find out if their glutes are weak, especially their glute medius, those knees are going to come in and it's called valgus of the knees. And that's going to be put them in a position to be susceptible to injury. So we really want our hamstring strength to be 75% or greater of our maximal quad strength is what we tell athletes. Because we've done some research on it. We understand that if those hamstrings are weak, they're the decelerators. And when do kids mostly get hurt? When they decelerate. So they're cutting, they're changing directions. So therefore, we're really trying to get those breaks, those glutes and hamstrings as strong as we can to help prevent injury. So when we're teaching the squat, it all goes down to that. So we'll start with a bodyweight squat, and we're going to hold something, Brian, whether it's the side of the rack for stability, whether it's a pillar in our weight room, we are going to hold on to something, and we're going to get those kids, and we're going to get them in the position where they go down and up the same way, and they get to parallel, we'll take a collar, we'll put the collar on the middle of the thigh, and we will place that collar right there so they know they're getting parallel. So we know we're working lean muscle mass, more lean muscle mass in the human body, and we're also getting the parallel, which means we're not squatting high and we're putting more emphasis on the quads, which is obviously what we don't want. We want to work that posterior chain. 
So we are working that pattern. Then we're going to dig a PVC pipe. And then we're going to do a PVC pipe. And we're going to do what's called a zombie squat. And this is a little progression. And we're going to have our thumbs up. And we're going to hold that bar in that front squat position. And we're going to go ahead and do that. Yep. Just that is going to really help them with their upper body of being able to really get themselves in a nice position where they can drop their glutes in between the heels of their foot. Then after that, we are going to start to do some counterbalance, put some weight out there and start doing some squats there. We'll go to some kettlebell and then we'll go to some front squat and then we can go to some back squat, et cetera. So that's kind of our little bit of our progression, Brian. It gives you a little bit of idea of the teaching cues. It drives me crazy when so many kids do not know how to squat correctly. And I think like, as you know, there's so much technique in a squat. And that's one thing we, we learned from Laura Phelps, the West Side crew. You know, we learned from Leah Reichman. There's so much to doing a good squat. And I hate that when, you know, a kid will come back and say, you know, the old 20-year-old deal is that, you know, the doctor said, well, I can do everything, but I can't squat. Well, you know, as we know, that, that's a terrible practice <laughs> in my mind, in my opinion. Because if you do the squat right, we know it. We tell our kids it's the king of lower body exercises, Brian. How about you at Sports Advantage? Just knocking this ice back here. Um, <clears throat> so obviously with the box squat, the first thing that that we really want to teach is where their height should be to get to parallel. And yes. so, you know, for us, that's the first part of it. We just basically say, sit down on a box. You know, we have 12 inch boxes. We get an idea of where they're at. We're, we'll add plates to put on there. You know, some people use foam pads. Um, so the first thing we have to do with the box squat is get their box height set. Now that athlete then is in charge of remembering where that height is every time, because we'll go back to it. No matter what type of box squatting we're doing, we usually use the same height. Every now and then we'll go a little bit below parallel. We'll never go above parallel if we don't, if, if we can help it. Um, and the next part, and I think this is really important for people to understand, you're trying to get as close to a vertical shin angle as you can. So with the box squat and a lot, we see a lot of high school kids do this as the weight gets heavier or they have to move the bar more. You touched on it more uh, in your talk is that the kids are very quad dominant. So what they will do is they will move back closer to the box. So instead of sitting back to the box, which we'll talk about next, they'll drop down to the box, okay? That does two things. One is it takes all uh, the load off the hips and, and the glutes and the hamstrings, which is why you box squat. And two, it shortens your range. So now um, a lot of times you, you're going to be squatting higher because now instead of sitting back to the box, you're dropping down to the box. And now you, you've changed you know, the angle, the movement and things like that. So we get the box height set. We get them in a wider than normal squat stance. So we don't go powerlifting wide, but we do do wider than normal. And we're at about 10 o'clock and two o'clock when we do it. So a little bit, your toes out, trying to open the hips. Same thought process, right? You, you know, we don't use the volcano crack, but we'll, we'll, we'll look at that. I like that. Talk about spreading the floor, pushing your feet to the outside part of your shoes. And then our cues are always back, 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 back. Instead of down, 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 it's back, back, back. We want them to think of almost, and I don't want people to confuse this with an RDL, but almost that concept of pushing the hips back initially, like an RDL, 
but you're not doing an RDL into a squat. It's just you're pushing the hips back, loading the hips, uh, loading the glutes and hamstrings, pushing the knees out. So again, you're opening the hips just like you say. So a lot of it's the same. You sit back to the box. You pause on the box. We don't touch and go at Sports Advantage. Um, any of you that are box squatting should not be touching and going. Uh, you sit back. You pause. Um, the hips relax when you're on the box, but everything else is tight. Okay. Everything else is tight. So again, you'll see that a lot of times where kids will rock back and their feet will come off the ground. The feet are always in contact with the ground. If you're teaching kids to pick your feet up off the ground, you're doing it wrong. Keep your feet down on the ground, nestle them into the ground, really try and dig them into the ground. When you try and stand up, you're trying to accelerate the bar as fast as possible. The last thing that we talk about, Dean, is a little more upper body related. We talk about trying to break the bar over your shoulders. So again, you're gripping the bar, you're squeezing the bar, pulling it down basically into your traps, okay? And that's going to have, help activate your upper back and your lats, which is going to be another preventative way against you know low back injuries and things like that. That's a miss. That's something that a lot of coaches miss. Because at the end of the day, the squat's a lower body exercise. No, the squat's a total body exercise. Bench press is a total body exercise. Deadlift, you know, it's total body. Feet have to be nestled in the ground on all three of those. Upper back, it has to be engaged on all three of them. Okay, so make sure that everything is engaged. Don't just say engage your core. A high school kid doesn't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Um, you got to make sure you give them the cues. Break the bar over your back. Spread the floor. Vertical shin. Things that they can process and do, not fire your core. That That's dumb. Nobody's going to understand what that means or how to do it. You know, give them something that's action related when you're giving them a squat technique. Now, one thing, Brian, two quick questions for you is, you when when kids are box squatting or squatting in your gyms, do are they always in tennis shoes or can they go flat foot? You know, what, what, are, what do you um, guys do in your gym? You know, um, some of our kids like to squat in their socks. Yep. None of our kids really use lifting shoes. So we, we allow them to use whatever shoe feels most comfortable. And to me, that's, that's the best way to handle an athlete. If you, if you pigeonhole athletes into doing it a certain way, um, you're always going to find outliers that it doesn't work for. So the kids will know where they feel most comfortable. Um, if you have a vertical shin, there's no way that your heels should come off the ground. You know what I mean? So the, that, that's where you correct that problem, right? If you dig, you move your feet back and you drop down, well, that's where the knees trickle forward um, and, and more of the load goes into your quads and everything pushes anteriorly. And that's where you get, again, that's where you get stressed in your patella tendon. I think a lot of people have a misconception that squatting deep um, is where you get tendonitis. No, to me, squatting between, you know, 5% to 15% above parallel because the quads act as a decelerator versus your glutes and hamstrings. So all the weight goes forward, all the weight goes into your knee to stop the bar versus sitting back into your hips and using your hips and, and your glutes and your hamstrings to get out of the bottom. So, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot in there. Um, understand that, you know, you, in, in my opinion, once the kids get under the bar, uh, you know, you give them one cue. You know what I mean? Don't give them, you know, as they take the bar out um, and they go. And one thing too, you know, when we walk out, we teach them one, two. We don't have monolips uh, and we use strict band tension, chains, things like that. So we tell them pick the bar up, you know, think about breaking the bar and then right, left or left, right. One, two back. All right. We don't want kids. And, and you know, I, you know, 
One of my pro guys does this. It drives me nuts. He picks the bar up in a split stance. Um, and then he, you know, he walks it back because that's comfortable for him. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, but he's also a lot bigger than me. So I kind of, you know, he he kind of gets to do what he wants in that. But at the end of the day, you got to you got to teach kids how to pick the bar up off, you know, pick it up fast off the rack, you know, with a good grip, things like that. Well, Brian, one of the things I really like about the box squat too is is when you box squat, you're gonna get parallel. And so if you're right doing away, it right, yeah. Yeah, if you're doing it right, you're gonna be parallel when you're at the bottom because that that's just the way the setup's gonna be if you set it up correctly. I just saw before we got on the air today that a power five school, the, the program threw out there on Twitter that they had this 600 pound squat and it wasn't even parallel. Yeah. And, you know, we see this happen all the time. And unfortunately there's a lot of bad videos out there and, you know, people I think are chasing numbers and it looks good, but remember the number doesn't mean nothing. The performance on the field is what means everything. Right. Right. So it's very important for people to understand that. And I think too, when you look at, you know, any exercise, there's, there's a coaching point in there. You, you know, there's no perfect rep. There's, there's something you can coach every single time. So, so make sure you're, you know, coaches, again, make sure you're on that. And Brian, I think, you know, you had a great point. One cue. I just saw a, a research study that coaches tend to over cue. And if you do one cue, the success rate is like 33%. You give an athlete two cues at the same time, it goes down to like 16%. If you give three cues, it's 3% they saw. So you talk about 33%, 17 and down to three. Coaches remember that. I know sometimes we, we read these books, we get all this stuff on how to cue and then sometimes I think we just throw it all at the person and they just, it's paralysis through analysis. So well, Brian, I think a, good point yeah, with it. A lot of times Dean is like coaches want to show the kids that they, that they know a lot. Yes. You know, and at the end of the day, you know, it's the same thing like on Friday nights, you know, you, you come off the field and you can't be yelling at the kids and, and, and doing all this and, and five different conversations here or there. Like they're in the heat of the battle. Same thing when you're in the weight room. Like if you're, you're on a max effort day, um, you're in the heat of the battle. Like you don't have time to think about correcting, you know, five different things on your next set. Um, you know, and if you're dynamic effort, you're 30 seconds rest. So at the end of the day, you know, you got to look at what they're doing. What's the, once the, you know, five or six words that you could say to the kid that they could take and say, I got it. And they can walk in and make an adjustment. And then we talk about this all the time when they make the adjustment, make sure you acknowledge it. Because again, you're just trying to reinforce it in their head. Um, question three, dog. And this is a great one. This is something that that you helped me with. And I can't believe that I'm I'm actually getting a question on this, but it was actually from one of my wanna key parents. My son is in a growing phase and it's and is constantly eating. He makes at least two shakes a day, and it seems like we're going through food like crazy. Should I try and have him limit or count his calories? Dog, I, I, so, you know, truth be told, I, I've struggled with this with, with two of my boys. My middle son is, um, you know, has been the same weight now since he's been like, you know, 13. But I remember calling you with Cam, you know, and I, and I'm going through it with Carson right now, you know, is that this is for parents and coaches. Like it, it, when they're in a growing phase, 
like their body needs nutrition. If they're making the right choices, their body will adjust to it. So, I, I mean, I, I think I told you like Cameron was eating like three or four bananas in a day, like just crushing, you know, and, and fruit. And, and I was like worried about him, you know, because again, he hadn't really, he was kind of going through a growth phase and stuff like that. And you were like, never discourage eating healthy, you know, never discourage eating healthy, always encourage them. And, 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 and when they're making good choices, uh, if they're making shakes and healthy shakes, if they're putting greens in there, you know, I know I, I can speak to Carson, you know, my, my youngest son, I mean, some of the stuff he puts in his shakes, I, I don't think like I've ever heard of it. You know, he's got spinach in there. He's got greens, he's got fruits, he's putting grapes in, he's putting milk in, um, puts peanut butter in, you know, and, and with all the activity your kids are doing, they need calories. And yes, they do need some healthy fat and they do need fat. You know, they do need lean protein and, and they do need carbs. Like, you know, no high school athlete should be doing keto. You know what I mean? To try and maintain their weight and things like that. If they're making healthy choices, even at a 75 to 80% rule, encourage them, be happy that they're doing that. Um, because again, trying to limit calories and trying to have high school kids count calories and you see it in high school can really lead to some long-term health problems long, long-term down the line. Yeah, Brian, I think that's, you know, it's so important for kids. You got to eat a ton of foods. You know, the more active you are, the more sports you play. I mean, I see some of the schedules of high school athletes and it's just crazy. They're going from one uh, contest to the next. Some are going from one sport to the next, whether it's an open gym, it's a game, it's a tournament, it's AU, it's camps, all this kind of stuff. I mean, one kid just said the other day, he had 30 games of basketball in two weeks. 30 games of basketball in two weeks. So parents understand, hey, unfortunately, this is the way it is in athletics. And I don't think it's going to go away because everybody believes more and more and more and more and more. And, you know, I always tell sport coaches, you got to understand you got a multi-sport kid. You got to make sure you're communicating with that person. And more, more, more isn't going to be answered. Body's going to break down. And so, if you're a parent, and that, and and that's just part of what you're doing because everybody else is doing. You better hone in on the recovery modalities. They better make sure your kid's getting sleep. Can't let them just stay up all night and then get four hours of sleep and continue to have that kind of a schedule because he's going to break down or she's going to break down and nutrition, 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 you know, just let's use basketball. I saw some research on it. The average, if you play the majority of the basketball game, you're running between three to five miles. Right. Well, think about that. If you did 30 basketball games, you're playing the majority of the game. And let's just say you're a high school kid. So let's put that more towards three miles. Okay. Three miles, 30 games. You just ran 90 miles now. Right. You're, you're can, I, can I interrupt you? Yes, go that, ahead. That's almost probably more than Amy Davis runs. And she's a she's a um, marathoner for the Olympics or, or trying to be in the Olympics. Just so just so everybody understands how much volume that is over the course of two weeks. So, you know, you got you got all of those miles, all of those miles. And if you're not getting the proper nutrition, you're wearing down. And if you're in a weight room and you're trying to build that muscle and your body's not getting enough 
of the good calories, now you're just defeating the purpose of getting the weight training in. So really, you know, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. So if your kid is sleeping a lot, parents, I always say if your kid's sleeping a lot and they're eating a lot, good things are going to happen because they're right. probably at a growth spurt and they're probably going to gain some lean muscle mass in the process. If they're not sleeping good and they're not eating all the time, then I would be concerned as a parent. Well, there's stress too that goes Absolutely. with it, right? Yes. Well, well, Dean, like you said, though, and those 90 miles, those aren't like paced miles, like with, with the way Amy runs it or way distance runners. Those are sprinting. Those are jumping. Those are cutting. Those are, you know, high violent movement. So it's not like low intensity. You're talking 90 miles of high intensity workload, you know, in, in that scenario. So at, at the end of the day, you, you know, High school kids should be high school kids, and we've lost that. Youth kids should be youth kids, and we've lost that in society across the board. Um, that's why burnout rate is so high. Yep. And, and it goes back to what we talked about with when should young kids start strength training when they're ready? When should you start talking to kids about, you know, dialing in their diet when they're ready? You know, because a lot of times their bodies will tell them what they need, and they'll grab it. You, you know what I mean? Your body is pretty smart. Your body understands what you need. So if it if it just needs like quick energy, they're going to grab something that's kind of sugary. Um, and that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's probably what they need at that moment. And, you know, if they're, you know, if they're eating like a ton of candy bars and, you know, I can tell a story about my youngest brother, um, you know, they were wondering for him for a while, you know, because he was very active. Um, you know, he was a little, you know, he was a little heavier than he probably should have been. Well, you know, come to find out he had hidden like all these mountain cans of Mountain Dew and this thing in his bedroom. And my dad went to grab this box and like two or three, you know, cases, empty cases of Mountain Dew fell out. Then you probably got to have a conversation, right? If your son or daughter is hiding stuff because they feel, you know, like they don't want to let you down as a parent. That's typically why your kids do stuff like that. Um, that's when you need to step in and have a conversation. But if your son or daughter is, you know, eating late at night and, you know, as adults, we know that we probably shouldn't eat late at night because our metabolisms aren't quite as fast as their kids. Kids' metabolisms are a lot different. So if they're hungry at night and they make a shake, or even if they have a bowl of ice cream, you know, that's, that's not the end of the world, you know? So you got to really be careful with that. And you got to, always, always, always encourage the good things that they do. So if they're having a salad when they go out for dinner, uh, even if they, you know, I know I'm babbling about my family here because I got a great stories on this, but like Corey used to make her kids a Dorito salad with ranch when they were young. So like lettuce, Doritos and ranch. But to this day, every time we go out for dinner, all three of their kids get a salad and typically now it's a healthy salad, you know, with, with a lot of vegetables. And whenever we go for dinner, they always ask for a salad. So even some of those little things to, to get your kids in the habit of doing it long-term could be a, you know, a very beneficial thing for them. Yeah. Great point, Brian. I always say if your parent and your kids eat more fruits and vegetables, we always say fruits and vegetables for health, lean protein for muscle recovery. And I think it's just simple. It, it just kids understand it that if you're sick, you, you can't make progress. So you got to have those fruits and vegetables. 
for the for the vitamins and minerals in there and antioxidants and then you got to have the protein for muscle recovery and it's makes it simple and parents if your kids are eating a lot of good food hey you should be encouraging that because right. they're they're developing good habits they understand hey we want to put the best fuel in the ferrari that we possibly can and therefore it's going to perform better just because your kids got a high metabolism and if they're just eating junk all the time you shouldn't be encouraging that just because you know they got low body fat, they're skinny, whatever, they're still in pretty good shape because they're young, they're burning a lot of calories. That's not good to reward that either and say, hey, all my kid does is eat junk food because junk food isn't going to put the muscle on. They've got to have the fruits, vegetables, and then they got to have the lean protein, right? And water. And a ton of water. Yeah, a ton of water. A ton of water. Yep, absolutely. Um, great, dog. Those are those are three great uh great questions that we got submitted. And um, it's funny how, you know, you and I, our kids are are pretty much done. Carson's got one more year, but it seems like a lot of the same things are reoccurring. You know, people are wondering the same stuff. We wondered, Hey, when, you know, I, with Cameron, when should I start lifting them? You know, yeah. things like that. Always wanted to teach stuff. And, and the nutrition thing is always something that, that people are going to wonder about and things like that. But if your kids are making great choices, keep encouraging them. And that goes across the board. Dog, what do we got Fox Valley throws? Fox Valley throws. We'll have some July sessions coming up. We got six sessions coming up starting July 19th. We're going to take the July 4th week off. We take the second week of July off. We want kids, you know, to get a little time away from it. But we know them kids that are really encouraged it, really want to take their, their throwing to the next level. We give them opportunities starting July 19th at 5 o'clock till 6.30 Check us out on Instagram. That's where we do a lot of the advertisement and www.foxvalleythrowsclub.com. Awesome. Grand opening, Menominee Falls, July 25th. Uh, it'll be at seven uh, or six o'clock. I think we're going to start. It's going to be a meet and greet with Joe Thomas. So those of you get out early to come meet Joe and uh, hear about Sports Advantage if you're in that area. July 22nd at the Lake Country Dockhounds where our Oconomowoc facility is joe thomas bobblehead night uh saturday night uh i believe there'll be a another prominent athlete will be thrown out the first pitch um so those are a couple of events we got coming up and just really excited to see uh me personally been stopping at a couple of our high schools and just seeing um the kids working uh in a, in 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 a bigger group you know for some common goals and i love seeing coaches coach that is something I absolutely love is being involved, get involved. If you're going to be there, you know, like, like you and I say, Dean, don't be a mouth breather, you know, get in there, be involved, be a part of it, build those relationships with your kids and keep grinding. So those of you who have a great 4th of July coming up, we got a couple good guests coming up, but we're not going to share who they are, but we're, we're pretty excited. We got a, we got a tag team coming up here in a couple of weeks, which will be kind of fun. It'll be something new for us um with the get your edge podcast i'm really looking forward to getting ready for those fall sports we will see you next time chop it chop it <laughs>